And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Makes it a two-point game. Oh, here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luca. Deep three on. Hello and welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato, your host. I was struggling to say that word earlier, but um, but host, host, it's a it's a good word. I'm good, great at saying co-host. Dave Dufour. That's true. My co-host. What's up, As buddy? always. What's up? We're back. We have a uh, real life basketball to talk about. Or at least basketball news. Hmm. It's it's real. It's real to me. It's real if you. Believe. Oh yeah. Have you been watching Compazzo over there in uh, in Euroleague? <laughs> I have not. I have not. Shout out to the Nuggets. That's a good shout. I did yeah. watch uh, the NBA draft last night. Have you uh, Have you heard of it? Uh, no. Critically <laughs> acclaimed. It's it's yeah. um, it's a they, they, it's a periodical. Um, the cast mm. the cast changes mm-hmm. every year, but um, mm-hmm. you know, really really a uh, special one. You know, one night a year event. Um, this mm-hmm. one uh, got got delayed a little bit, but we have an actual NBA draft to talk about. Four new players. Basically, the way I described it in, in in my article I wrote last night about it was that you know Dallas was in the left hand lane on I thirty five and saw a ramp that they needed to take. That that their GPS was like, all right, you guys, you want to you want to contend. You saw what happened against the Clippers. You guys want to go contend? Get in that ramp. Go get in that lane. Oh yeah. And so they, they just swerved all the way across traffic, almost like uncomfortably so, how quickly they swung to having no wings, to having, you know, potentially four 3 and D wings, certainly four defensive wings that are above average to potentially elite players on that end. It was jarring, almost, but it was great. And, and I, think, I think the moves really, really kind of circled, circled back to that Clippers series and, and everything that we saw that was most wrong with the team construction up to that point. I'm trying to remember. Was that was that your takeaway? Was that your biggest takeaway from from the uh, from the Clipper series? Because that was definitely mine. Was just the oh, lack yeah. of, of perimeter defense. Well, not being able to guard on the wing in a wing league is a big problem. You know, um, certainly rim protection would have helped them as well. And Porzingis being out, you know, didn't didn't help them there at all. Um, but the wing defense it hurt them all year. And I also felt like. They got more athletic. Josh Green, great athlete. Tyler Bay might be the best athlete to come out of this draft class. Yeah, and I mean, he had the he had a ridiculous standing vertical leap. It was like forty three and a half inches. Um, so Man, that kind of athleticism by a few inches. Yeah, I mean, barely, barely. Um, yeah, but he yeah, was a Pac twelve defensive player of the year. The guy, like, he's everything that they needed, and he's going to be cheap, which is important. So I think that this was – it was not a home run draft because you don't often have home runs like that just look like surefire home runs the, the, at the time you draft unless you're drafting in the top five. 
But this feels like, at the very least, a a nice double that hits the top of the wall. And in a couple of years, we'll know what it actually is. But um, I'm excited that they got some some wings. And, and you know, let's not overlook the biggest move they made might have been getting Josh Richardson. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that was the biggest move, and that trade brings every draft pick together. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it, it facilitates, it complements them. I am not sure Josh Green is going to be ready, um, you know, to play a rotation role uh, starting game one. I, I'm actually fairly certain he won't be. I'm maybe even more confident that Bay will play, you know, a, a bigger role to start the season than, uh, than, than Green. Because Green just has some offensive stuff he has to work on. Whereas Bay... Um, you know, at least is really good around the rim and, and can play more in that, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist role if you want him, if you want him to. Um, obviously, green ceiling is, is offensive ceiling is going to be much higher. Uh, and that's what the Mavericks are banking on. But if you had drafted uh, green without trading for Richardson, he would have the expectations that, that, that he would have to step in on, on, you know, on the first game day, you know, pretty much, you know, most games afterwards, especially in this condensed schedule. So green's going to get his chances. I, I, I don't, by any means think think he's gonna just ride the bench or you know turn into a, a justin jackson type player where they they just have to play him out of uh out, out of not having any other options I, I think green's gonna be good next season i think he's gonna have good moments i i should at least say mm-hmm. but i think getting richardson is is exactly the complimentary move that it you know just from a timing perspective that that makes you more confident in drafting these two offensively unpolished wing players with with huge defensive potential because now you have Richardson who's who's immediately going to start he's going to play you know probably 33 minutes a night for them um mm-hmm. let's talk about his fit in, in just a second but you know I, I just think that trade is perfect and, and then of course the other part is that you know they gave up Seth Curry uh to to get him and 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 netted a another second rounder out the out of it to to take another swing at a at an unpolished offensive wing player with with really good defense um, and, and they're able to draft Tyrell Terry. You know, I thought Sam Vecini said it well in the Athletic today, where you know he actually projected the the Sixers taking Terry at twenty one, where, where you know their first first round pick was, because he was the most Seth Curry like player in the draft. And Philadelphia, who wants to go compete for a title this season, you know, instead they got the actual Seth Curry, whereas the Mavericks, who who have a longer runway and in a longer uh, you know window that's opening up for contention for them. They, they they drafted the the Seth Curry replacement, and and so it just it all it all really made sense, and, and that's that's you know the the one thing that strikes me most about this is that you know that trade that Curry for Richardson trade truly complemented the 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 Green pick the Terry pick and the Bay pick, and, and I think that's that's really important to 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 recognize that all of those moves are kind of playing off each other uh, in in a really positive way, and so you know full credit to the Mavericks. I'm I'm sure they had you know, that whole thing planned out before the draft even started. And I'll say that I, I had heard, um, I had heard green or, or focus at, um, at 18 mm-hmm. leading into the draft. It, it wasn't anything I could report because, you know, it yeah. just wasn't something I was certain of. Uh, but, but that's what I heard. So, so green was, was no surprise. Well, I had heard a lot of the Pokashevsky stuff. And as a matter of fact, um, Oklahoma city trading up to 17 was not an accident. You know, they they were worried enough about the Mavericks taking Pokashevsky that that they felt the need to really move up and and make sure that they got him. I'm pretty sure Oklahoma City is the team that gave him a promise and why he shut it down um, early last season. Right. Um, so it, it, I'm not surprised that they were so aggressive. And uh, 
you know, I mean, yeah, you miss out on Pokashevsky, but I think what the Mavericks did here, it wasn't, it's not as much of a gamble to a certain degree because, you know, you have a better sense of who these players are going to be at their floor. And I think that this is a, a sustained success type of move. You're taking a, a, you know, it's sort of like birdshot. <laughs> and you're taking a, a wider path to finding the guys that you need to get forward. So you're taking more bites at the apple. And um, focusing on, on the wing in particular for this team, you know, Pokashevsky, can he play next to Porzingis? Probably. But you've got no real beef down there. Uh, and this is, you know, I'm thinking a couple years down the line. I think that having these guys on the wing just is a little bit more important to the Mavericks. They, it, you know, you've got Luca. He's in. He's a lock. He's a lock at his position. You got Porzingis. He's a lock at his position. Now you need to fill around him, and and the wings are where that's at. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't ultimately know how much their Pokashevsky interest was real versus being. A you know a smokescreen to to make sure Oklahoma City traded up. Who who did Oklahoma City trade with at seventeen? That was the Ricky Rubio trade with Minnesota. Okay, you could envision Minnesota taking Green possibly. So so mm-hmm. maybe maybe that factored into there. You know yeah. maybe 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 they they just wanted to be extra sure that you know one one more player was taken in, within that one to seventeen range to make sure that they. They got the player they wanted. What I was hearing about those two, Green and, and Pokashevsky, was that they had legitimate interest in, in both players. So, you know, I, I just I don't know, and, and I don't want to I don't want to get the podcast too stopped down on sure, sure, you know, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, on Pokashevsky, yeah, the Serbian <laughs> that did not draft and, and might not even be in the NBA next year on on any team right. on any roster. So, so yeah, I don't I don't know what happens there. And and look, I'm I don't you know model myself after being a newsbreaker uh that's that's not my that's that's not what i you know find the most value in and being mm-hmm. on this beat so i will just say that i heard those two and, and so it was it was not surprising at all that oklahoma city moved up and it was equally not surprising that the mavericks then took josh green what i will say is that it, it seemed they had a very very definite plan for the evening and, and again they, they may have had it this you know even headed into the night that you know they wanted to dramatically course correct like i was saying and get these multiple wings these multiple defensive wings like i am sh- i'm actually pretty positive the curry and richardson trade you know that's not just something that that appeared out of you know at at 9:15 p.m. last night you know that that had been in the works for a while so so yeah i i, I would be surprised if if you know they must have if, if they were actually going to dra- draft pokoshevsky at 18 rather than you know kind of go down this dramatic course correction of getting perimeter defense um they must have really loved him because uh i i think i think their strategy was was very clear tonight and i, I think it was good i i think that they 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 came into the night knowing what exactly what they wanted to do and they you know they they accomplished it absolutely you know with flying colors by by the standards of what they were trying to do you know their 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 roster now has perimeter defenders for days which which they had one of last season uh we got a little bit of breaking news which is slightly related to the moves that that the mavs made last night tim hardaway jr has just opted into his contract for this year oh right that's a big yes. deal that's a big deal we you know it was one of the things that we talked about a lot um, heading into the postseason, and it's important that that he stuck around for them because they just didn't have a way to replace that. So that's big news. And yeah, it's what the Mavericks expected, but 
you know, the, the fact that Hardaway hadn't done it immediately did, did point mm-hmm. to, you know, him at least keeping his options open just to see if there is anybody else who would, who would give him, you know, either a longer-term contract or, or more money or, or a combination of both. But yeah, no, this is the best-case scenario for the Mavericks because it looks more and more like Giannis will sign his Supermax extension. And we've talked plenty. This We're not going to get stopped at with Giannis News either. Uh, I'll make sure of that. But, but, you know, we've talked plenty about how even the possibility of him signing here has a, has a lot of hurdles before you even get to the point that you can negotiate directly with him. You know, it's always seemed pretty likely he would take the money. But there's still, there's still some value in keeping, you know, cap space open for, for 2021 and, and keeping your options open and remaining flexible. Th- this was a good, positive evening of, of roster moves and, and roster transition for the Mavericks. But, you know, they, they still don't have their third star. star. Josh, Josh Richardson is not a third star. He's just a really solid, you know, starting cog in the machine. And, and I think this is probably a good chance to, to, to get directly into his fit and, and how you see, you know, because I, I do think that he's going he's gonna to make a lot more sense in Dallas than, than certainly last season he did in, in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, Richardson is kind of the, the lead defending guard that they needed. They, I mean, that was the thing that was missing in, in that Clipper series was a guy that could you could put on Kawhi. He's, he's not big enough really to guard Kawhi alone, but he can at least force him to spots that aren't necessarily the ones Kawhi wants to get and, to. And super quick, let me toss a toss an idea off you. I, I feel like his defensive potential. I, I think I wrote in, I wrote in my piece, you know that that Richardson was overused offensively and mm-hmm. underused defensively in Philadelphia, meaning that they have you know the best perimeter defender in the league and Ben Simmons mm-hmm. and Richardson a lot of times got shuffled down onto the the you know the second threat uh more of an off-ball defender I, I feel like my sense is that Richardson will be maximized as an on-ball defender of of you know most nights the the biggest threat on the uh, you know on the on the other team you know we can talk about his offensive fit but even defensively I feel like he makes more sense in Dallas who doesn't have a a truly elite lockdown defender even if he isn't quite that you know I, I think he makes more sense in that role for this team yeah, he's he's an upgrade for sure, and again, it it's nice to get another adult NBA player out there on the court, right? Like, I mean, that that's one of the most important things to do. It's a guy you know you can trust to to play his role and to play it well. You know how Carlisle is with guards, and and you know, I think Richardson's got a lot of bulldog potential in him. We didn't really see it in Philly, but we saw a lot of signs of that in in Miami. What do you and, mean by and bulldog? Even, so again, putting him on the ball and letting him hound a guy. I, I think there's a little bit of that Patrick Beverly sort of mentality that that's right. gone untapped. Um, but but also, you know, his secondary and tertiary playmaking ability in Miami was pretty good, and and he didn't do a lot of that in Philly for them. So I'm I'm interested to see how he is as a bit of a release valve. Not an amazing shooter or anything like that. So I, there is a drop off, as you, as you mentioned, from Seth, uh, Seth Curry. Um, but I do think his ability to to slash and get to the basket is, is also underrated. And you know the way that the Mavericks play, where they're so often five out, is going to allow him more opportunities to attack the basket like that. So I mean, it's a, it's a good move for Dallas. Yeah, his his shooting is somewhere between uh, Finney Smith and Hardaway's. Right? Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, Finney Smith, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned the stat plenty of times. You know, one of, you know, top 10 in the league in most open three-pointers. You know, the average dis- distance of defenders 
uh, to him when he was shooting uh, was like nine feet. And, and that's a ton. That's, that's, you know, right there at the top of the league in, in terms of yeah. openness. You've got to guard Richardson a little bit better. You know, he's not going to shoot 46% like he did his rookie season in limited attempts. I don't, I, I remember him doing that that season. I don't really, really remember why it was happening, but you know, he, he's proven he's not that good of a shooter, but, but I think he could, I think he can push towards 40%. I think a 38 or 39% guy on, on, you know, maybe six or seven attempts. That's, that's a really solid shooter and, and certainly a step up from, from Finney Smith. Well, let's factor in the Luca bump, right? I, that I think was me that factoring we're it in. See. Yeah. Oh, that was you factoring it in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because last season he was at like last season he was at like what four attempts on 34 percent, thirty five percent. The Luca bump playing next to Luca is going to make him a better player. I, I'm convinced of that. Um, again, the the five out offense that that Dallas likes to be in so often is going to be perfect for the way he plays I, I'm excited to see how it works I just wish the training camp was longer I, I'm I'm really worried about the teams that are adding new pieces that are important um they're gonna scuffle coming out of the gate I I, I expect not necessarily Dallas but most teams that are adding a big piece the thing I'm worried about with Dallas is not only did you add Josh Richardson but you're not going to have Porzingis to start the season and so you know how how long is it going to take them to find out a way to be competitive early, and then how long is it going to take to reintegrate Porzingis into what they're doing? And, and so, as that as we get closer to the playoffs, which you know this is a playoff team, I, I'm not I'm not expecting them to miss the playoffs. But as we get closer to the playoffs, are they going to be clicking on all cylinders? And and you know, hopefully, get out of the first round. That 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 should be the big goal for this year, uh, if not making the conference finals. But for sure, getting to the second round is is where their eyes are right now. And I just worry about the time it takes to develop chemistry. Right. I, I think I think it's good to point that out. Yeah. I guess I'm slightly less concerned. You know, they, they don't have. You know, the core of this team has has relatively remained the same. Um, Richardson is the one big addition. The rookies are are going to be bench players you know there's probably um a free agent still coming with the mid-level exception we can we can talk about that in uh, a little bit Porzingis just in general I think is is my biggest concern that that he is probably going to miss a month and and more likely I'm not sure we're going to see him until mid-February I'm not reporting that I, I don't I don't know for sure but just you know just reading tea leaves you know thinking about where he, where he was at when he was on crutches, you know, where, where he's at now, which, which I believe, you know, certainly not full court workouts or anything like that. Um, and, and then just their state of desire to go, you know, just to be very cautious with him um, as they should be. You know, I think, I think that's my one big concern. Um, they, they did lose some shooting, of course, with, with Curry, and, and Curry was not where their spacing came from. Uh, not, not as much mm-hmm. as, as Luca and, and KP. Those, those are the two people who, you know, really right. caused them to be the best you know, three-point shooting team in the league and, um, and, and just really facilitated the modern offense. But with Porzingis out for a, a bit at least and, you know, Curry not there to, to kind of make up some of that, that shooting potential, you know, it, it might be on someone like Tyrell Terry to, to immediately step in, which I am not sure whether he can do or not put him on the floor and he's going to hit threes. He's going to hit a ton of threes. He's going to hit them in, in all, all types of ways. I'm not worried about his offense translating at all. Um, you know, he's not going to be a point guard or, or running offense for the Mavericks uh, beyond, you know, really, in, you know, except for limited pick and roll sets and, and things like that. But his defense might take a second to catch up, uh, you know, especially mm-hmm. just because he's small. He's, he's, you know, he was 160, 160 pounds at, at Stanford. That is, that is smaller than I think any 
player in the league last year, at least players who were who were getting steady minutes. Um, you know, if he hasn't spent a lot of this, you know, summer in in, in quarantine in this very long offseason period, um, because of course the Mavericks aren't going to have five months to work with him like they would with most rookies or, or four months, whatever it is. If he hasn't bulked up, if he isn't, you know, in really in, in NBA shape and, and hasn't been in, in an NBA training program, which, which of course he hasn't been able to be, you know, with, with the way that the draft got delayed. I do worry that, that he's just not going to be able to even, you know, have passable NBA defense at first. If he is, I think he's, he's easily the, the, the most likely of the three to immediately kind of fall into a role because, you know, he has one ready made for him in, in Seth mm-hmm. Curry in, in, in the role Seth Curry was playing. I, and, and I don't know. I think Tyler based. I think Tyler Bay's defense is is going to get him in the rotation fast. And, and you know, I, I'm wondering if Carlisle is going to experiment, play him a little bit at the four, maybe even a crazy small, crazy fast lineup where he plays some five. Um, you know, Carlisle seemed to embrace so much of the the weirdness on his roster. Not weirdness, but just lack of real size and, and leaned into the speed last year. And Tyler Bay's ability to play defense is going to matter to him. And so right. I think I, I would put my money on Bay being in the rotation, like playing real minutes sooner than any of the other guys. Interesting. I, I do think all three will get real chances, you know, real, real runouts in the rotation at various points throughout the season. I think all mm-hmm. three of them are in, have NBA ready qualities that are worth putting them on the floor. Um, this is not a, uh, uh, Isaiah Roby situation from from last year's second round or anything like that. Um, you know, I think I think all three picks are you know already in some ways right now and, and, and deserve looks and, and deserve minutes on the court. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You want to talk a little bit about free agency, what, what this team is kind of make, uh, lacking in, in their roster makeup thus far? Um, because I think there's one, there's, I, I would probably say two big, you know, two, two players, two player archetypes that they still need to add. 
Yeah, I mean, they clearly need a big, um, yeah. and and I they need. I mean, Aaron Baines is a guy I keep coming back to for just about every team that needs a big. He he fills like he's a true big, but he can stretch the floor. Right. Uh, he's a legitimate rim protector. He's a great screener, a great screener. And I just think about what he could do with Luca in pick and roll because of his ability to pop. And certainly he's not the, the same threat as Kristaps. But I think being able to mix it up when, when Porzingis comes back, but also being able to play those two guys together matters. And, I mean, if they could get Aaron Baines, I, I think that – they would win the offseason for them. I don't know, man. The Mavericks getting an international player? That just doesn't really sound like them. <laughs> um, that's interesting. So so Baines would command at least some of the mid-level exception, which is about $10 yeah, million, I think so. but you can split it up. Um, mm-hmm. In my head, I've, I've looked at the, you know, the, the final big man as, as being a minimum guy. So that's kind of how I've, I've planned for it. I'm not opposed to the Baines idea, though. You know, that's that's interesting. Yeah. They they definitely need someone. I, I think that there's a chance Willie Colley Stein is back. He can actually make more money uh if, if they resign him using the non bird rights than he would have if he had just opted into his contract. So I don't think that necessarily him opting out of his contract means he's definitely not coming back to Dallas. Although I, I'm not positive either way. We know what Colley Stein can do. He's he's great in the pick and roll. He he put up absurd efficiency numbers, you know, rolling to the rim last season and in the limited time he played so i'd be fine with him coming back especially as as we we have to see exactly where pal is in in terms of you know how much of of the player he was before um now now that he's had the achilles injury and and you know rehabbed from that it's it's an injury that often takes two years to really get back to full health so it's possible that pal isn't quite the dynamic player that that you know we know that he's been able to be and so collie stein would be a, a nice piece to have there um, Baines is yeah. interesting, like you said. Um, you know, there's there's just some other minimum names. The, the reason the reason I have been looking at the big man as as a minimum addition because I think this team still needs one more veteran guard of some sort, uh, just just someone that Carlisle can trust. Because at this rate, you know, last season Seth Curry was the second most trusted, second most uh, prolific or or uh, effective playmaking guard on the roster after Luca. I, I think yeah. I think that's fair to say. And if you go into into next season with the only other guards not named Luca on this team being Jalen Brunson, Tyrell Terry, uh Josh Richardson and, and some hope for him to be a secondary creator, and maybe still DeLon Wright, you know, I'm just not very inspired by there being, you know, enough enough there, enough enough steadiness, enough calmness to to you know, fix these problems that that we kind of identified, which really cropped up with the with the late game offense and the struggles they had therein. So Goran Dragic would be just incredible. And, oh, and that's, yeah, he'd be perfect. Yeah, and if you just want to give him the entire mid level for for a season and say, you know, you're probably not going to make this on a on an annual basis, but but if you want 10 million for one year, uh, we're down to give this to you in a, in a in a really good you know roll off the bench. That would be perfect. I think Miami's going to overpay to keep him. I, I, I think mean, that's like I just feel yeah. that way. Yeah, he was too important for what they did, and um, you know, I I definitely think he earned the money. Uh, but man, he would be perfect. Uh, he's he's exactly the guy. What about just a steady veteran like DJ Augustine? Well, DJ Augustine is all right. So he wasn't great last year. So you've got to sign him because he's going to be awesome this year. 
<laughs> That's the thing about DJ Augustine. He's every other year, you know? And so I think DJ Augustine is perfect because um, you can play him next to Luca. You can play him without Luca. He's a, he's an, a, again, an adult basketball player. He's not going to make a bunch of mistakes. He's going to give you enough scoring, I think, for the most part, to, to make it worth your time. Um, the issue is, there's a lot of other teams that could use DJ Augustine. So it's not like he's not going to have suitors. I mean, you know, uh, being able to be a lead ball handler is a unique skill in the NBA and especially one that isn't turnover prone. So DJ Augustine is probably going to have suitors. And so I worry what the market's going to look like. And, you know, at what point do the Mavericks get priced out? Right. And, and that's why I've, I've been reserving the mid-level, you know, all of it, ideally, to, to make sure they get that playmaking card. Because I think that's more important. As much as I would enjoy someone like Baines on, on the Mavericks, I think it's more important to make sure you have one more person you trust to run the offense. Otherwise, there's a there's so much pressure on Jalen Brunson to really emerge as, as the consistent, every single game, 20 mm-hmm. to 25 minutes a night, backup point guard. Uh, who, yeah. who can I also mean, look play at what next the to Bucks Luka, just but, did. but yeah. Look at what the Bucks just did, Right. They brought in Drew Holiday. They're trying to bring in Bogdan Bogdanovich, although that's looking less and less likely. But you know they understand that having one guy as your playmaker is just not going to cut it. Right. Right. Yeah. And even with some players who can be secondary playmakers to, to some degree, you really just need one more guy who you particularly that Carlisle explicitly trusts. And I right. just I just don't see that player right now. So so yeah. I do I do think it's important to to go get someone like that. You know beyond Drogic in in. In Augustine, there's just not much on the market. Gen- Dennis Schroeder just got just got traded to the Lakers. Right, he right, he would have right. been a good option, uh, maybe a little bit expensive, but still, you know. Je- um, Jeff Teague does that does that bring any no. interest your way? Yeah, that's what I figured. No, um, I'd rather have DJ Augustine. K- Kent Bazemore. I mean, not really a yeah. not really a offense creator, not or a, not not like a pure point guard by any means. And then and then there's people like Shaq Harrison and, and Chris Dunn, but those are defense first mm-hmm. guards who are going to have the same problem where you're not yeah. going to trust them with the ball in their hands, uh, facilitating offense. I I actually do think Chris Dunn might be worth kicking the tires on uh, because having a defensive guard again, something we just talked about, uh, wouldn't hurt this team. But I I think that there are going to be other people willing to pay a little bit more money than the Mavericks are able right for for that. Yeah. If nothing we mentioned so far works, then then I think the options are potentially just re-signing Trey Burke, who who again not not the you know steady calming point guard influence that that you're looking for, but at least he knows the system and was effective last season, uh, at, you know after he joined in the bubble, and I, I guess hoping for a Delon Wright renaissance. That's 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 kind of the last option that that's in the wheelhouse, and that's a pretty desperate one. But you know I I, I think that the Mavericks are probably you know, definitely still trying to, to move off of him if, if, if they can. But that's um, a possibility a- along with just putting a lot of faith into Jalen Brunson. So we'll see what happens. You know, it, there's no two or three week wait on this for agency starts tomorrow. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to be right on top of this and, and, and no sooner than later what exactly they're thinking. But, but yeah, no, that's, that's the final, you know, if, if they can get a playmaking guard, a, a playmaking veteran who Carlisle can trust, and just one more bench piece, uh, b- big man bench piece, you know, especially with Porzingis missing the start of the year and, and Powell having his injury questions. I think that I'm quite confident about this team headed into the season. Me too. Uh, again, my expectations are much greater than they were last year. Last year, I expected them to miss the playoffs. 
Um, I didn't didn't expect Luca to to make the leap that he made that fast. I think there's another leap in there. And what we saw in the playoffs in particular really kind of has informed my opinion going into this next season. So, um, yeah, it, it stinks that Porzingis can't start the season, but I think they're going to be okay. They're going to find a way to, to keep their heads above water. And maybe they'll look a little bit rougher than we expect uh, that their final form will be, but I think they're still going to find a way to win games. Yeah, I mean, we've we've said so many times how you know they were – they played better than they were last season. Their their net rating was up. Their their expected win loss was was much higher than it was. I, I think that, you know, even if those metrics don't change per se, like they don't need to. If if you can post the sixth best best net rating in the league again and just win those games, that effectiveness over a hundred possessions versus opposing teams would lead you to believe that that you should. Then this team's going to be fine. I mean, they're they're going to be pushing for home court advantage, and uh, especially with the just awful, devastating Clay Thompson injury. You know, I think I think home court advantage. There is a path there that's that's much more open. Yeah. I I do have I pretty high say, expectations. Yeah, Austin Austin Rivers has just opted out uh, and is going to be a free agent. Austin Rivers is an interesting guy that I think the Mavericks should uh, take a look at. I I, I could see that. I, I think mm-hmm. I think that's that's definitely worth. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's that's definitely he's a, tough. An MLE. He's tough. Yeah, he's tough. He fits the profile. He can he can do things. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. And by the way, uh, we keep talking about how tough the West is. There are a few teams like you just mentioned, Clay Thompson being hurt. Who knows? I mean, Houston looks like it's about to just implode. Uh, there's a chance that, that the Mavericks could. Could have an easier path to the playoffs than than we all expect. They could indeed, and uh, I think I think a lot of that got easier to project now that now that we kind of know how they've retooled the roster and, and in what ways and, and really how this identity is is going to be a bit different next season. Even, even if I, I still expect they're going to be you know just lights out on offense, I, I think that they're not going to just be overwhelmed by teams with star wings anymore. And I think that's that's a big development and, and a big step in the right direction. Um, something that may end up helping them more in the postseason than the regular season, but their their regular season excellence was again pretty well stated last season, and, and they just got to keep that going. You know, I, I think I think that they're as well as set up to be effective in the regular season as they were, and, and, and even better, even more set up, uh, even more dynamic once once we actually get to the postseason. Yeah, I, I agree. Cool. Anything else we we want to talk about? You you are obsessed with these uh, these two way guys. I mean, I, listen. I, I like I like when play, when teams can get good players. I mean, um, you know, the the Sixers drafted Paul Reed at number fifty eight last night. Like those are the guys I love in every draft. And, and like I, I like Tyler Bay a, a ton um, because of the crazy defense and athleticism. I, I fall in love with guys who are not like the top tier guys. Everybody already knows how much I love Danny Green. You know, I've got the Danny Green All Stars for a reason. You got the trans so, stamp yeah, tattoo. That's uh, yeah, I'm going to make that happen. Um, but uh, Nate Hinton, I think, is is going to is going to show some pop when he's out there. I think he's going to be uh, an interesting guy to watch, but he's going to be on a two way. So, you know, let, let's see if he can earn the opportunities. Um, I, I yeah. think we've covered we've covered everything. You know, yeah, we'll, uh, we probably have covered too much with that. Right. All right, guys. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We probably won't be back next week uh, with it being Thanksgiving and all. 
uh, even though there's free agency. But we'll make sure there's there's an episode in the feed uh, mm-hmm. between certainly between now and and at least training campish time. So whatever training campish time means exactly, we'll decide that. But uh, but we'll we'll probably get an episode out here in a, in, a, in a couple weeks again. Uh, and, and then after that, start returning on a, on a more regular basis with the season right around the corner. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, Dave. Thanks, thanks for joining as always. Kent, thanks for producing. And, and, and we'll see you guys uh, when we see you. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.